Hello, and welcome to Solo Cristo, where we search the scriptures to find answers to cultural and biblical questions to help you find confidence in Christ. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Solo Cristo. Today is episode three. This is Chris, and I'm here with Johnny and Will. Today, we're going to be talking about appropriate worship. Very specifically, this episode, we're going to be talking about corporate worship, congregational worship. Um, there are very there are several different types of worship, but specifically today, we are going to be uh, tackling the topic of um, corporate worship. Um, so always want to start off, why is this even a, an important topic to cover? What's going on in the culture, in you know the times that we're in to where this would be an important and a needed topic to cover? Yeah, so um, when we uh, started this podcast, actually, we asked a bunch of people, um, kind of like, what do they want to hear about? You know, what are some topics, what are some things that they would like to hear discussed when it comes to Christianity and the church? And one thing that came up pretty frequently was um, people's concerns about modern congregational mm-hmm. worship. Um, specifically, like, people were saying things like, hey, why does it seem that, you know, worship services feel the need to copy the world or copy the current trends or, or you know, things that are going on? It's like, okay, well, let's just keep molding our worship service to what the youngins like, yeah, you know? What, what the culture demands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... People are expressing concerns about that, you know, like, is this, is this right? Should we, should we, you know, build walls around this? Should we put some brakes on this? Um, and then another thing is also people just blatantly saying like, hey, look, I, I you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that worship services are beginning to look like concerts, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people expressing concern about that and not being okay with that. Um, on the flip side, there's people that are concerned that worship services um, are too dry, you know, to like, they don't have enough life in them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, this is obviously something that, um, has been a pretty contentious thing within the church. Um, and people are, uh, wanting to hear some discussion on it kind of like, because I think it's a place that also like we can judge each other pretty quickly on this. You know, we can look at churches and quickly, I can form an opinion about them based on their worship service. Mm -hmm. And it's like, should I be doing that? Do I have a biblical mandate to be able to do that, to be able to, you know, just judge people so quickly about this? So yeah. um, it's definitely important to address, um, and we're excited to do so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a, amongst amongst many reasons why this is important. Um, one is it's a command from God. You're you're supposed to worship, mm. worship God. This is what, uh, what the Bible says. And throughout the Bible, many people uh, worship God. And in Luke, it says, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. In Psalms um, chapter 95, it says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And like Chris said, this is worship itself is a very broad topic, and we'll just be covering the corporate worship uh, aspect of it. Um, but as we move on, I want to bring out a little um, fun fact, I guess, um, where it, it, it'll be like a correlation between the world and the church where music has become a very big part of culture in the world. Uh-huh. Um, it's really become the driving force of, of, of culture um, in, in a way. And it's 
kind of worked its way into the church where music um, and then worship has become the identity of the church. It's taken over the whole curriculum of the church where you have um, your worship services that are 40 minutes and then you have, you know, a, a, a sermon that's 25 minutes long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, it's almost flip flopped where, where worship has been like, it's, it's idolized. It's, it's, we feel like we, we feel you we tend to feel a lot more during the worship because yeah. of the atmosphere that's set, the music, the lights, the, the smoke, if that's what your church yeah. does. And it seems like it's, it's completely taken over the church and um, I, th- I don't think that's the place for it. Um, so we'll be uh, discussing what, uh, where that belongs. And first, we'll go into uh, what corporate worship is. And I think uh, a pretty simple definition for corporate worship is corporate worship is an act of a united congregational verbal thanksgiving and praise to God for who he is and what he has done. That's good. That's a good one. Did you write that? I did. Yeah, oh, man, yeah. that's solid. Dang, boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually uh, did the hard thing, and I actually just Googled nice. <laughs> what's the definition of corporate worship. Okay. If you do that, the first thing that pops up is actually really good. It's a very R.C. Sproul-esque type definition, very mm-hmm. kind of wordy, very high theological type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it was actually just some pastor at a... Uh, a church, I think, out in Montana. His name is mm. Thomas Overmiller. Shout out, Tom. My man. Way to go, Tom. He's probably on a horse right now. Yeah. yeah. What a, what just, a man. Just uh, moseying around his ranch, <laughs> yeah. praising the Lord and praying to mm. him under the stars, hopefully. Uh, that would be pretty fantastic. <laughs> um, but his definition that he wrote uh, is, corporate worship is the proper response of a gathered church to the person of the triune God and to his past, present, and future works, especially as they pertain to reigning and redemption. There's a he wrote a whole LinkedIn article of all things <laughs> on this. Um, I didn't get a chance to go through the whole article, but uh, skimming some of it, it seemed seemed really good. Um, I don't want to officially endorse it, but uh, but yeah, definitely worth uh, giving a read. I may do that later on, but just to start out, just that definition. I mean, it's a really good theologically sound definition on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, so so it's pretty clear um, to us that so what we're talking about here specifically, um, congregational worship in the terms of um, a body of believers specifically, right? This isn't. Mm-hmm. This also isn't like people who don't believe in Jesus, you know, yeah. like a um, crusade or something like that. Like this is a body of believers coming together as a unit um, to worship the lord in song and praise right if i'm if i'm hearing it correctly that's okay so so it's as as simple as that really yeah so within that scope we're gonna we're gonna be staying within that scope as we discuss these things um as we mentioned earlier you know worship is obviously um everything we do in life is worship or at least it ought to be you know we ought to seek to glorify god in all that we do um but we're keeping it within that scope of just hey we're just talking about congregational worship on a sunday or it's Saturday, if you go on Saturday or Friday, whatever day of the week you gather with your body of believers. Um, but when it comes to that, um, are there biblical standards for what that's supposed to look like? You know, because obviously, like I was saying earlier, like there's a lot of contention about it. You know, people make draw some pretty hard lines when it comes to that. 
And then there are other people who are like, hey, there's no biblical. Like, there's just like just nothing. Yeah, it's just, it just yeah. is. The yeah. Bible doesn't have, doesn't mention or anything a like stage. That. Yeah. They didn't have smoke machines, you know, in Jesus' day. So like, we're just kind of free to like use what we, what we can. Yeah. Right. So it's like, are there things in the Bible that speak to this? Do we have some standards? Do we have some boundaries here? Man, um, unfortunately, I wasn't. I didn't find any. I've, I did some research. Um, there were no clear commands like "Thou shalt do worship this way" or anything <laughs> like that. But just within context clues and throughout the whole Bible, um, it mentions wrong ways of doing worship. Therefore, using that logic, there has to be a right way of doing it, yeah. and that right way might not be. Um, this one path it can be many ways but there is uh, you know there is a right way um and i'll read something from my from isaiah that might um make this a little clearer but isaiah 29 chapter 13 it says these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught and wow yeah. yeah i mean it's 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 uh there's definitely a wrong way of uh, of doing things um and i think the right what one of the right ways can be well, this would be a good start is our worship music needs to be derived from scripture which is absolute truth which would make our worship absolutely true and when you start um perverting oh big word worship music with personal experience or a personal revelation or or anything like or, or anything that feels right or feels like it can move people that's when it's wrong Mm. Oh, bold statement. You can't go wrong with the Bible. You got to read the Bible and then sing the Bible. All right. So, um, would you make the claim that we should only sing scripture? Or is there space for us to um, take truths we find in the scripture and sing like doctrines, right? Yeah. Obviously, there's like confessions and creeds where we like. Over church history, um, Christians have formulated doctrines that aren't mm-hmm. explicitly laid down in Scripture, but Scripture speaks about it and it informs it. us. It yeah, like, and scripturally like, like sound. hey, yeah, like this is true, but there's no like specific word for word statement in the Scripture. Yeah. Um, I don't think that you have to literally open up Psalms, you know, chapter one and sing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it has to. Uh, the worship music has to be accurate in terms of its general meaning and what it's what what what, okay. what it's singing about. Like, like I'll bring you up an example. Like, if uh, if you have a wife and you come up to your wife and you're like, "Honey, I love you. Your 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 blonde hair and your hazel eyes." Mm. And you have someone specific. No. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, hey, if to you're this listening and have blonde hair and hazel yeah, eyes, yeah. And and you and you say those things, and then it turns out your wife has brown hair and oh. blue eyes. Uh-oh. Like that's not a that's not, that's not a good thing. Okay, yeah, your, I see your what wife's you're probably not going to be happy. And I think the same it works the same way for God, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. to worship Him, you need to know Him accurately because that's essentially what we're doing when we're worshiping. We're worshiping God for who He is and what He's done, and that's in yeah. the Bible. So if you're so if you're singing that to him, you can't go wrong. So I it you. doesn't necessarily have to be like literally the words that are in the Bible, but mm-hmm. along the same lines and the same thought. Right, right. So so the truth in our worship songs has to be biblically and scripturally informed. Yes. And and so we can't just, you know, go up there and you're saying you would make the claim that I can't just go up there and like in the moment just, you know, 
whatever I'm feeling, like if it had, if it's unhinged from, from what scripture has informed me, I'm like, you know what? I feel like this is what the people need to hear. And it's like, well, it's definitely much safer to stick with what we know. Right. What scripture has informed us about the character of God and his, his purpose and his plan. Yeah. I heard a really cool quote by, uh, Mr. John MacArthur one time and I actually posted it and I got a lot of flack for it, oh, but no. I loved That's it. It was just because it was John MacArthur. Oh, no. Maybe it goes like this. The heart can only go as deep in worship as it can in theology. And a lot of people Ooh. mistook that as like, you have to be a theologian to be able to worship properly. And that's not true. Yeah. You, you, anybody who studies the Bible is technically at that point, a theologian, right? Yeah. You don't have to be a doctor in mm-hmm. it to worship properly. Mm-hmm. But basically what this quote says is you need to, you need to know scripture to know how to even write a worship song. Well, it's also like as the, not just the person writing the worship song or leading the worship, but as a congregation to know what you're singing and praising is scripturally sound, you have to know the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, uh, that reminds me of Jesus and the woman at the well, right? The Samaritan woman, um, where he, where he tells her that, um, you know, there's a time coming and it has now come where like mm-hmm. true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that, that's that part, that truth part. Yep. So he's making that claim where it's like, Hey, this is, you cannot worship me without it being true. Right. Where do we find truth? You've made the statement, yep. which we all agree with. Mm-hmm. Scripture is absolute truth. Yeah. Yep. That's our foundation. That's our measuring stick for all things. So um, let's be faithful to that. You know, let's take that seriously um, when it comes to worship. Um, especially congregational worship, you know, as a church body. Um, but he also says, you know, in spirit, like, what, what is that supposed to mean? You know, like to worship me in, in spirit. Hmm. Okay. So, so, well, what that means is that there should actually be um, a change in one's heart, right? Your spirit must actually be worshiping Christ because hmm. you can be saying true things, right? Like we can be yeah. proclaiming true things to the God of the universe but if our spirit isn't um, changed, and you know, if our if our heart hasn't been turned from a heart of stone to a heart of to a heart of flesh, um, it's gonna fall flat. And Jesus is gonna say, "Hey, look, I never knew you. Right. Yeah. You know, you may have been able to recite the true things, but you never really believed them. You know, right. you didn't worship in spirit. Um, and so, it's obvious that one of these biblical standards for um, true worship." what congregational worship should look like is that it must be done in faith, right? Yeah. By faith, through faith, with faith in Jesus Christ, hmm. right? Now, um, one story that I was reminded of as I was, as I was thinking on this was the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter hmm. four, right? So um, they both bring a sacrifice to God. Cain and Abel, they each bring a sacrifice. Um, now, Hebrews chapter 11 kind of has some commentary on this that's yeah. written through in, in verses um, four and six, where it kind of expounds on the reason of why God um, didn't receive Cain's sacrifice, but received Abel's. Um, and it says that by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, right? So it's actually through faith, through faith. that it was accepted, right? And that was actually like the first it's kind of seen as like the first um, moment of like worship and like sacrifice was like mm. they're offering this up. Ah. And right out of the gate, Interesting. what does God accept? Faith. 
Mm. Right. That's the standard. The so worship you, and the sacrifice done by faith. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so so that's obviously has to be there. Like right. this has yeah. to be people who actually believe what they're singing. Right. That's a standard. Yeah. Right. So if you have people on your worship team, because this has happened in many churches where it's like there's people on the worship team who aren't even Christians. And some churches will be like, well, we're going to, they're just, they're just so talented, you know, we're just going to yeah. keep them on there. <laughs> there was, um, but not to interject with like the story, but like there, I remember there was someone speaking at, um, actually at our church one time and he, uh, he said that at the church, it was a guest speaker and at his church, there was some guy who was leading worship and he said several people in the church came up to him and, uh, was like, Hey, like, we just want to let you know, like, this guy's showing up on Sunday morning to lead us all in worship, but like, these are the things that he's doing on Saturday night and listing out this, these acts and this lifestyle that is, mm-hmm. well, I mean, just deadly sinful. And the, his only response was like, oh, well then I'm going to keep him on stage so that he's in a position where he's surrounded and this is where he needs to be in front of the church leading them. And I was like, what? Like to be changed? Yeah, like to as in an attempt to like surround him by faithful people, and mm-hmm. it's like that's that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it's it, it's it appears to be like good motivation though, right? But it's right, yeah. But hey, okay, I want this person changed, so I'm going to put him here. But it's like yeah, you're you're basically it's a setup for a momentary um, feeling. Yeah, and, and absolutely, and it's like well, yeah, and and, and sadly that happens more often than we'd think, oh, yeah. I think, where, where people are knowingly not, you know, worshiping in faith, and yet they're allowed to to lead or, or other things yeah. and stuff. So that's foundational. You know, that's like Christianity 101, this has to be done in faith. Yeah. And, and without that, you cannot please God. That's verse 6 right there in Hebrews 11. It, it kind of finishes off right there with, hey, you know, without faith, it's impossible to, to, uh, to please him, to please God. Um, um, another thing that I saw in, in the scriptures when it comes to kind of like some standards for congregational worship is that uh, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, um, the church in Corinth is going through a lot of like, um, they're a rowdy bunch, right? Let's just say they're the Brady bunch on Ooh. steroids, right? Like it's, 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 a, it's a good time they're having in, in the worst way. <laughs> um, so, so Paul writes this letter and especially in verse, I mean in, in chapter 14, he's addressing like order in the church, right? Um, and one of the things that he says in, in verse 33 is that um, he calls them out on this disorder and he says, God is not a God of a disorder, but of peace as he's trying to give them these like standards and these guidelines for like creating order within their services, right? So so we know there that, okay, well, here's a biblical standard for congregational worship is that because God is a God of order, our worship service should also have that be a part of it mm-hmm. it should be we should be able to say that this isn't disorderly Makes sense. this is orderly yeah. right like there's not people um speaking out over each other you don't have like one song going on over here and then another one over here someone doing something over there and it's just chaos right we actually have that happening in the church in corinth and paul corrects it um so i think it's it's pretty clear for us that we can say hey we can we can apply this to our churches and say that this seems to be a biblical standard for for congrega- congregational worship. Um, another one also in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, this one in, in verse 26, um, Paul writes that to, in, to let all things 
as he's talking about, you know, this, the service, the, the communal service, he says, let all things be done for building up. Right. So all things includes the praise and worship moments that we have together. Right. That must be done for the communal building up of the people. Right. So it must be communally edifying. And the reason I bring this up is because I think a lot of times we can go into services um, thinking, how can this edify me most? Like, I'm going to go into this service and I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to be most blessed, right? Um, when it's, it's really clear that those congregational worship settings are supposed to be edifying to the entire community together. Like, that needs to be a focus. That needs to be a standard. We need to take that seriously. Um, and then the last thing, which kind of goes off of that, is that it just, we need to apply the law of Christ to this, or the law of love, right? The golden rule, whatever you guys want to call it, like that we as Christians are now bound to love one another more than ourselves, love to, to love Christ above all else. And what that looks like is it looks like us being others focused and others centered, even in our congregational worship. So once again, that comes out, plays out with the whole communally edifying thing where it's like, if I'm showing up to a Sunday service and, um, you know, we're worshiping together, I have to be mindful of everyone else around me and behave in a way that doesn't um, put someone else in a position of like, of being un unloving towards them, right? And unfortunately, it's like oftentimes we go into these services with the mindset of I'm trying to get something for myself, you know, mm -hmm. like I need to have the freedom to be able to do express myself however is best for me. Right. When the law of Christ would have us say, no, you should honor others above yourself. So if there are people in your midst that, you know, you know, like have certain convictions or what have you, you ought to be honoring that. Um, and so I, I think that scripture speaks to that as well. And I think that we can also place that as a standard upon our congregational worship. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so obviously there is a proper and also an improper way to worship. So let's say you guys are, you know, walking into either your home church or you're, you know, visiting another church on a Sunday and you walk in and the worship service starts, you know, what are some things that you would be looking around and um, either seeing or experiencing or, you know, being, you know, taught or said from the stage that would uh, be, be of some sort of concern that would cause some sort of concern or um, some sort of affliction in, in the heart. And obviously I think Johnny, you, you probably, you kind of touched on several there, um, several things that, that would be addressed, but you know, specifically of concern, what would you guys see? Yeah. Um, one to me would be if there happens to be a sort of frivolous approach to worship. Um, what does frivolous it, mean? <laughs> like not serious. Not, irreverent? Not irreverent. That's a good word. I like there that word go. better than yours. Irreverent. Let's throw frivolous in the trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think one would be an irreverent approach. Um, if you If you see that, that there seems to be a lack of of awe and mm. reverence yeah. for God in that service. And this is kind of difficult because we got to be careful not to just walk into services immediately looking for like 
I'm looking for stuff to burn down. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm, I've come here to cut y'all down. Yeah. And if someone sneezes, if someone sneezes in this service, be gone. The Lord rebuke you. <laughs> you know, like not like not in that sense, right? Um, but in the sense of you know, as a broad stroke, like if it seems to be that this community um, is doesn't have a degree of reverence, then I think that could be a cause for concern. I mean, in Hebrews chapter 12, um, we have this awesome, awesome uh, couple verses here that I kind of want to share that that kind of really informed my my thought on this. Um, so starting at verse 26, um, it's talking about um, God, right? And, and that he, it says, at the time, at that time, his voice shook the earth, speaking about when Jesus died and there was an earthquake. Um, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. All right, so we're getting there. So right now he's framing this this idea of like, hey, God is going to destroy things again, right? And what's going to be left is only the kingdom of God. Those things, that, that which is spiritual and which is everlasting. Everything else, we need to recognize that God is not just a big old love bug that, you know, there's never going to be any any wrath coming upon the earth ever again. God is going to come, and once more, he is going to shake everything that remains and be done with it, be done with evil, right? He's coming with a sword. So we need to have that image of him in our minds and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire, right? Wow. So... <laughs> This is an awesome, to me, an awesome passage that just speaks so clearly to the fact of like, hey, yes, Jesus has um, made a way for us. Yes, we are righteous in God's sight through the sacrifice of Jesus. But God is also going to destroy the world. He's going to destroy wickedness. He's coming again. Jesus is coming with a sword. With an army. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to do away. This is the same one who saves you and loves you dearly, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. who sacrificed himself for you. He's the same one. So there ought to still be a a feeling of reverence and of awe because our God, he is a consuming fire. Always has been, always will be. Yeah. And the biggest thing that kind of irks me um, in certain worship groups or uh, circles is when there seems to be... Um, self-exaltation or yeah. when when worship music is um is is more about me than it is about glorifying god where it's i am strong you know blah blah blah, and and, uh, and so on um i think it's uh it, it, it's funny that we have that approach to worship because um the word worship in the new testament greek um word is i'm, I'm gonna butcher it uh, but it's <laughs> proskuneo Ooh. something like that and i actually have that tattooed do you on your? Oh no! Yeah. We didn't just say we're, not, we're not gonna go there. Um, that's a that's a different topic. <laughs> a different topic yeah. for another day. For another day, and that that word, what it means in the Greek is to fall down before, or to bow down before. 
And mm-hmm. in light of that, I don't see how you can worship and still have some like worship and then with a the Greek word being bow down or to um, fall down before. I don't know how you can have an ounce of um, pride in that or yeah. or or any uh, like authority or self-righteousness where 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 you where you're literally in a in a figurative way you're on the floor at the feet of Jesus like everything right. all righteousness everything goes away and it's only you know you're just glorifying God and what depends on what mm-hmm. position you're in you're asking for forgiveness you're worshiping you're asking um, for something and that's that that's the biggest thing that kind of gets me is whenever music has no glorifying substance and it's more for me or for for the worshiper and not yeah. for the person getting worshiped you know what i'm saying yeah for sure like when you when you're looking around and you're like in the middle of this performance instead mm-hmm. of instead of this you know collective genuine praise you know it's one person or one you know band or group or whatever on a stage and they're just performing and you look around to think okay who's being magnified in this yeah. Is mm-hmm. it this person on stage? Is it me? The whatever in whatever way that I'm worshiping, you know, in my seat or pew or whatever you're in, or is it Christ? Is it is it Christ genuine being genuinely being exalted from all from all areas of this? Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. I mean, like his exaltation is the ought to always be the prime purpose of our life and yet how often do we put us ahead of that you know and we go to church with this mentality of like oh i just i've just had such a rough week like i just really got to get i just got to be in church again like jesus time yeah like i just need like to refuel i just need some which and i don't want to discount that at the same time because we god does meet us as we gather as a body and that Mm -hmm. is where we get refreshed and that is where he grants us grace and and teaching and admonishment and exhortation, encouragement, all these things, right? It's amazing for us. But if we go there just for the purpose of like lift uplifting myself, right? Yeah. If I am the subject of my church service experience, my worship experience, then I've completely lost, you know, missed the target. Missed the target. Yeah. Missed We're the mark. Christians. It's in the name. Like Christ is our all. He's our everything. Like when we worship, we're it's it ought to be directed towards Christ himself. Right? And and so that has to be there. Um but as well as that, I think another thing that in my opinion I can see as being very concerning because it doesn't follow the biblical standard of order is when you walk in and things look disruptive, right? Or things look chaotic, things look like they're um, there's confusion or what have you. Um, and it's funny because I've had people at times use a specific verse to kind of like justify that. And it's Ephesians uh, chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 18. People have said to me, they've said, well, you know, scripture says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And so therefore, like, instead of like, he's making com- a comparison of like, being filled with the spirit can look like just being drunk with wine, you know? So like if you walk into a church where everyone's stumbling around and they're like, you know, just, Oh man, they're so like, spirit filled, you know? Yeah. They're like in a trance. I, we're like, 
a euphoric state. Sure, yeah, where yeah. it's just yeah. like, it's just, like, it's not in reality. The spiritual high. That right. Yeah, but what we see clearly in scripture is that it ought to be orderly. It ought to be peaceful. And in this scripture of drunkenness and being filled with the spirit, it's not comparing them, it's contrasting them. It's saying, hey, instead of engaging in debauchery and being drunk, be filled with the spirit. Okay? Because, yeah, you, you, honestly, being filled with the spirit, you can experience euphoria, you know, let's be honest, like that's overwhelming joy, yeah. yes, but a, a, uh, a fruit of the spirit is also self-control, mm. you know, and especially in the setting yeah. of, now, if you're alone in your room, yeah, and, and you're filled with the spirit, and you're worshiping, and you're whatever you, not whatever you want to do in there, but um, if you're jumping off the walls, getting topsy-turvy, um, not with alcohol, but like right. I guess doing cartwheels or whatever. Do that. Yeah. Do what you got to do. You, Praise brother. the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But David, dance, brother. Setting, you can dance. Yeah. The liberties and allowances of you know Christian worship, the the bounds and constraints on that are very different across the different types of worship and and where and how you're worshiping. Again, this is this is kind of where that difference between congregational corporate worship versus those times of personal intimate worship on your own. Um, yeah. The constraints on those are two very different things. Absolutely. Um, a final, a final one. I kind of want to bring up one more possible cause for concern that we could see um, would be um, we have in Philippians chapter three, verse three, um, uh, Paul writes that for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on, on his spiel of like, you know, if anyone has confidence in the flesh, it would be me because I'm, you know, all these things, right? Like I have such a resume. Um, but he's making the claim of, Hey, look, we worship by the spirit of God and we glory not in ourselves, but in Christ Jesus. Like this is worship is a spiritual thing, right? Once again, spirit and truth. It's spiritual. It's not material. Um, and so you can't find any confidence in the flesh when yeah. it comes to worship. And so if, if we're going into, you know, if we seem to see things in our congregational worship that makes it seem as though um, our church is putting confidence in things other than Christ Jesus himself, then those are issues, Right. If we're putting our, our confidence in, hey, um, when we don't use drums, like it's more effective and people are more liable to come to the front of the Respond. altar. Yeah. Or, or, oh, hey, when we dim the lights, it's more effective and people are more liable to be saved. Or, right, just anything, anything fleshly. If we are finding ourselves putting confidence in those things in order to the spirit of, in order for the spirit of God to be effective in His work. We've missed the mark again, and that's cause for concern, right? Like, we cannot find ourselves putting confidence in any place besides Christ Jesus in our worship. Yeah, and I'll, I'll try to follow up all of those causes, that, like concerns that we have um, with a solution and like a, like a way out. So there's always there's always a group of people or a church or, or anybody that, um, they misuse good things. They, mm. uh, you know, pervert them. They take them too far. And there's always an extreme left. There's always an extreme right. And and it's and it tends 
But it seems to me that the, the truth is always somewhere in, in, in the middle mm-hmm. uh, for that's, most. That's your slogan. It is well. my slogan, <laughs> I, I, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> I say it every time. <laughs> and it, it and to for me, like that's I've found that to be uh, true in most uh, most uh, topics in your just regular life and in and in uh, church life. And um, as we've said before, there there is no clear cut um, curriculum for worship or what it's supposed to look like in the practical sense. Um, so what are Christian liberties in uh, corporate worship? Like what, like where are the fine lines? Like what are we allowed to do? What's kind of, you know, edgy, but it's technically like, okay. And like, Hey, just do you bro. Um, what's, uh, what's something that's not super normal that we see all the time, but is still okay. Do you, do you guys have any yeah. examples, thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think it's important to remember that worship even proper worship can look very different mm-hmm. from church to church, especially when you go culture to culture. You know, something mm-hmm. that, you know, for you guys growing up, something that is appropriate and proper in like a Slavic church, a very traditional Slavic church, mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of the churches I grew up with, uh, like mostly Southern Baptist churches that very traditional mm-hmm. uh, piano sometimes an organ if they had a guitar they were wild they were but <laughs> but um but so, stuff like that and then you go to you know kind of some of these larger uh more modern churches that do have a lot more of this production value into right. it there's still a, an appropriate way to do that mm-hmm. um but you also kind of have to you know acknowledge the area of you know personal convictions yeah. in that that I mean, that is that is a reality. If something is, you know, f- feels sinful and wrong to you, you have to be able to fall back on those, um, that those biblical bounds that uh, Johnny, you did a great job about talking about. Um, if something still falls into those constraints, mm-hmm. just because it's not what you are comfortable with, does not immediately. Um, classified and clarify it as doesn't make it wrong yeah sinful yeah. or wrong right? yeah now but if it's something you're uncomfortable with that's completely fine too yeah that's 100 percent okay right um you just have to be careful and calling calling people out on those other things yeah absolutely yeah and honestly i i really want to trump on that because i feel like we, we spent a good amount of time kind of you know laying out some concerns with stuff like that and and we want to make it clear that like we're not saying that any one thing, like material thing, like a Congo drum or a <laughs> smoke machine or a, I don't know, a painter on stage, like none of these things are explicitly just like, that's wrong in any context. I don't want it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want, you know, none of that stuff. No, that's not what we're saying, right? I hope we've done a good job of laying out some biblical standards of like, hey, we got to be worshiping in faith. We got to be worshiping um, in an orderly fashion. You know, we have to be um, truly having our confidence in Christ. You know, we have to have a weightiness to it. We can't Truth, be we yeah. can't be irreverent or, mm-hmm. or frivolous about it. Yeah. And we have to be considering one another as we do this, right? Like you were saying, considering our personal convictions, right? We need to be caring for each other instead of just, you know, saying like, well, I'm convicted about this, therefore it's wrong. Anyone who does it this way, y'all are wrong. Yeah. Y'all are, you know, dishonoring my God and stuff. It's like, hey, look. We need to be careful about putting laws upon our Christian brothers and sisters that don't 
that Christ didn't put upon us. Yeah. We have no right to do that, right? But we, he has given us in the scriptures some bounds, you know, some like guidelines where it's like, hey, let's honor these things and let's be really gracious to each other. You know, let's be really gracious. Let's, let's try to do that when it comes to this. Um, and I love the, the final psalm in the psalms is <laughs> Psalm 150. It's just six verses. It's a lot of psalms. Yeah, there is a lot. It, yeah. It's just six verses, mm-hmm. but I think this speaks very clearly to like um, the liberty we have in our worship, right? Across like cultures and places and the ways in which we do it. Um, I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's just six verses. You guys can strap in and oh, listen. Oh, it's a big one. No. I'm grab my pillow. <laughs> All right, here we go. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Hmm. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with hey. strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Huh. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. That, Dang. you cannot, I mean, I feel like if I didn't know that that was in scripture and I just heard it, like, I'd be like, wow, you got, you got that's a pretty raucous song. You guys should probably lay back a bit, you know? Right. Like, But it's yeah. like, I don't think I've ever scripture. heard that. I've never. It, isn't it great though? Yeah. Like, I mean, that kind of covers everything. It's kind of like. Yeah. Like if we're having issues with like a loud clanging, clanging cymbal, I mean, Sorry, bud. <laughs> in the Psalms, it's like, Sorry, hey, bud. if you're praising God rightly with a loud crashing cymbal, God accepts that. Yeah. yeah. If you're praising him rightly in the right context, in the right loving way mm-hmm. with dance, God accepts that. You know, like there's a, I think this speaks very clearly to just like all these different instruments, all these different ways in which it's like, praise God, whatever yeah. you have in your, praise him. Yeah. Right. Right. And just like with a lot of things in, in, in our Christian life, it's it's always the motive. It's 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 all it is. Like there's, we have a lot more liberties than we think, and behind it, the motive is what makes that either a, a, a liberty or that makes it a sin. Absolutely right. So like it's it's always the motive that you have to watch out for. Like yeah. we, like if you ever have a question with is this like worship that I want to do? Is it like uh, is it good or bad? Mm-hmm. Like step back and reassess your um, your motives behind it, and that'll answer your question whether that's appropriate or not. Yeah, absolutely. You can do you can do right righteous acts in a sinful manner. Oh yeah. So I mean that's that truly is kind of the the heart behind all of this mm-hmm. is that there are biblical ways to do it and it is most dependent on your heart behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um so then speaking about all of this, I feel like we've covered a lot you know even yeah. though we were just talking about congregational worship yeah um but what in the world does this have to do with our confidence in christ hmm. like what why even tie this in like when we talk about congregational worship we've talked about concerns we've talked about standards we've talked about liberties right um but what does communal worship congregational worship have to do with us growing in confidence in jesus christ yeah i think it's uh one of the aspects of it is it's very it can be and it should be um it's a very intimate thing that we do um in terms of if you if you come to if if you come to worship um with the right heart the right motives 
um, God's going to meet you there no matter what. That's just, it's going to, it's going to happen. Um, no one's ever uh, come to the altar of God with good heart, good motives and left empty. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think, um, for, for somebody to be able to do it right, have the right motives. Um, you have to know, like we've talked about how to do it right. Um, what that looks like. Um, and I think I know when you do it right, it's there, you're going to have good results and, um, it's, you'll, you'll just have results from that. Yeah. Um, when I think of like, what does this have to do with our confidence in Christ? I think, okay, what are the long-term effects of proper worship? What Mm -hmm. are the long-term effects of improper worship? When I think of the long-term effects of improper worship, it's, it's something, you know, stemming from, a lot, a lot of worship done from a from a wrong, wrongful heart. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. worship done with bad theological, you know, foundations in that. Um, and what that does is creates a false view of Christ. It creates a false Christ in times. Um, it also can easily create a false, and elevated view of self, of of ourselves. So it can elevate us. Um, it can also open up and expand upon. Pr- um, areas of pride in our own heart when we go into it uh, with a mindset of like, this is about me and building myself up. Um, the long-term effects, effects of proper worship, you know, we're looking at, you know, the edification of the body, the growing of the body, growing of that communal feeling between, between all of us and growing in that communal reverence of God. Um, it's something that's edifying to us. It's something that builds up that community and builds up just the body as a whole. Yeah, I I love that that point you just made about the body, because I think a lot of times we think of our Christian faith as a singular, private, individualistic thing. You know, my faith in Christ, my experience, my Christian like devotion, right? And we isolate ourselves, and then church is something that we show up to, um, and it's a community of people that we're involved with, as opposed to seeing it rightly, like you're saying, as one body like we're a part of a body and when one part of the body hurts the other part hurts like it's supposed to be so united it's supposed to be so such a sense of unity and togetherness that we're bound man and that's congregational worship is such a beautiful um depiction of that you know especially when done rightly like if we go out there and we're we're concerned for each other like i'm loving you guys in the way that I worship and I'm concerned about, Hey, how can we just together be edified and see Christ as glorious and grow in our confidence as him? Okay. These are the ways in which we can do that effectively. These are the ways in which that's hindered. Okay. Let's do this rightly. And then when you do your body, that body together grows up, you know, and is built up together as the body of Christ and together as one unit, your confidence in Christ grows and it's just this it's just this beautiful image um that Christ has purchased for us right he's bought us as as the body he's paid for us with his blood he's done everything necessary for us to have eternity with him um and so now it's like hey let's be concerned for each other now like Christ has paid my way He's paid your way. I'm going to be concerned for you now. Like, let's let's find out how we can best serve each other as we communally worship 
how we can both be edified, how, how Christ can be glorified. Um, so yeah, guys, just know that like, as you go and you worship um, with the body of Christ, um, be concerned for each other, you know, uh, don't think about yourself as much. Um, honor God, glorify God, see him as mighty and strong and big, you know, in that and know that he's done everything necessary for you and just be free in that, you know, allow yourself also to experience that Christian liberty and give that to others as well. Be gracious. Thank you for listening to Solo Christo. We hope that you found this episode insightful and encouraging to your walk with Christ. Please consider leaving a review and feel free to check us out on Instagram to continue the conversation and weigh in on future topics.